pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Rock 101 Sports presents the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. Starring Pete Christie, Jared Johnson, Sean Dillon, and host of the Rockin' Pregame, Jeff Scott. Oh, I'm so happy for them and the fans. I mean, honestly, now don't, don't get me wrong, I want to beat their ass. Good morning, Lubbock. Welcome into the Rockin' Pre-Game Show. Pete Christie, Jarrett Johnson from Inside the Red Raiders, Sean Dillon, and our intern, Russell Soldier Boy, joining you this morning. Getting ready for Red Raider football in the early morning at number 19, Kansas, 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, we are going to look at this game. We'll also look at Red Raider basketball. Uh, I got some guests, so uh, you know I mean, lock in and, and join us here this morning. Uh, but first, uh, let's get the check of uh, the pulse of of what's going on. Checking the pulse of Red Raider Nation with our rock and reality check. It's cold outside. <laughs> Is that your rock and reality no. check? I, uh, well, just as I was leaving this morning, I noticed my air conditioner making a lot of noise. So I ran over there and it's frozen solid. And I ran upstairs and my son, of course, had the air on uh, down at like 20 degrees. So it'd be super cold up top. So I was annoyed. Uh, but I left this morning. And, and if I didn't have, if I have the radio show, I would have yelled at him. But uh, I didn't do anything. I'm so, so proud of you. Yeah. So uh, Red Raider football. Let's start with Jared Johnson. What are you thinking? Thinking, like you said, it's early. It's yeah. cold. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but uh, Saturday morning, eight in the morning, talking. You know, I, I'm not saying that that's my uh, peak. That's not a peak <laughs> talking time for me. But you know what? Uh, I, you, when you look on the schedule going into the season, Tech in Kansas in Lawrence isn't something that you're like really excited about. But I, I'm excited about this matchup today. I am. Um, both teams could really run the ball. Uh, Kansas has turned out to be one of the better teams in the Big 12. And I think what Lance Leipold has done up there in Lawrence is nothing short of amazing, the, the quick turnaround. And uh, there's been some things with the NCAA, some of the rules in terms of scholarship, uh, uh, some some waivers and things that, that have gone on in the NCAA that have allowed them to build the roster back up. But we're going to go over this here, uh, actually, next segment. But what's interesting to me is it's not like – there's been talks like, oh, they've added so many transfers since Lance Leipold's been there, and that's why they're so good. But really, it's no, it's not. It's it's the 2020 class. It's guys they've developed over the last couple of years. It's just good old-fashioned good coaching that's turned things around. And so Tech's going to have their hands full, but it's it's an opportunity. I mean, they win today, then you start looking at the rest of the schedule. Oh, you know, can you be UCF? And then set up that regular season finale in Austin, which... Crazier things have happened, though Tech will be big underdogs. So, again, we find ourselves 
where this is the biggest game of the year. <laughs> you know, like every week it's like, here we are. You know, and that's I think that's the beauty of football in general, and maybe even especially college football. So I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out today. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, this team has fallen short of, of the expectations, and uh, I still can't gauge just how good the team is, if if much at all. But uh, I, th- I, th- I think there's some good in there. Some people so, could gauge it. Right. So uh, today's the day to show something. I mean, you know, Baron Morton's back. I, I mean, they coming off the TCU win. Uh, you know, if you can beat a number 19 Kansas team and go to 5-5, five and five, you know, then, you know... Uh, you should be able to beat UCF and get to a bowl game. And so uh, you lose today, and, uh, you know, it's another lost opportunity like you had against Oregon, a, a team you should have beat up by nine at home. And uh, uh, today's a good opportunity for these guys to right some wrongs, show that they are better than what their record is at this point. And, uh, you know, it's, it, this isn't your regular Kansas. So uh, ho- hopefully they can, they can pull that together and, uh, and get a win. Sean, what are you thinking? I'm thinking I'm so glad that this is the first 11 a.m. game yeah. this year. Because, <laughs> because think of this much. In the past couple of years, how many times where it's been, been, we've been waking up and like, oh, my gosh, another 11 a.m. game, another 11 a.m. game. Too many. And, and we had too many. This year, we've been fairly fortunate. And you face a Kansas team and Jason Bean, who has been very inconsistent. He has shown great, he has shown great ability to make plays, but he's also shown great ability to make mistakes. If you can force Bean to make mistakes, and if you don't make mistakes yourself, you have a chance of winning this game. I think it's going to be a close game. We'll get to predictions later, but I just... Will the road team that Texas Tech has been... I mean, they are under McGuire 2-8 and eight when trailing at the half and 2-7 and seven on the road. That's, I mean... If you get your third win, it's a, against a top 25 team, and it starts your your path up. But if you don't, do you see uh, another win? If you, UCF. UCF is bad. Yeah. They're so bad. I do see another win, but what would that matter? But, you know? but, yeah, but, but will they play if it matters when if they know that, that they can't get to a bowl? I think this team will. How many Red Raider fans out there are like, where are we on the graduation rate at five and seven? Can we pick up a bowl game? Are we really going there? You know, I think uh, Hocus actually said before he doesn't think that teams that are, you know, that don't have, at least have a six and six record should go to the bowl game. So I don't know if they would accept a bid, even if they. Yeah, but wouldn't they to get the extra practices? You, and stuff? One would think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hopefully they don't have to. Uh, it, you win today right. and win next week, and then you go in with house money, so, so to speak, yeah. into Austin. Yep. That's the best case scenario. And that's a big ask. Yeah. It, it really is. But I, putting this all in perspective with how high the expectations were going into the season. Let's say they went out. Just hypothetically. It's yeah. a big if. Yep. If they went out, it's still a disappointing season. Right. How crazy is that? That's that's how that's how poor the the early season was uh, in terms of losing at Wyoming. It really is losing that season opener at Wyoming. That kind of just I saw that well, I watched Wyoming last night. They're, they lost, they're, right? Right. So they're six and four. Yeah. So And they're excited about that. They're probably you know, I mean they're they're pumped up. It's bottom line is this season has uh, been a disappointment, but you still have an opportunity to have a winning record in the Big Twelve. You still have an opportunity to go to a bowl game. I, I, fans out there don't want to hear it. Trust me. Yeah. You know, run a message board, talk with fans all the time, and yeah. they don't, they don't want to hear 
oh, that's great, going to a bowl game and winning record in the Big 12 because of the preseason expectations, but it's still important. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, it's an opportunity today, and uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll be ready for it. You see they're wearing all white. Yeah. They did the whole ice machine. <laughs> I, yeah. I know you want to. Everybody has a job to do. Yeah. And the production on those are, are, are well done. So yeah. I'm not trying to trash anybody. Right. I mean, really, I'm not. But. Is a little over the top. When you just post the uniform, sometimes like, am I? Do I sound like the old man shaking angry fists? Yes, that, uh, yeah, I do. you do. <laughs> I, I, I look at it. I'm like, we. I gotta wash this ice. Fall off the conveyor belt for yeah. 20 seconds before you show the uniform? Yes. Like, yeah, but remember, there was a period of time where we didn't even get to know what the uniforms were before. The, before the thing and then during the Kingsbury era where they wanted to make a hype I mean but are, are, okay, I would take the ice machine kind of uh, the ice things over the Kingsbury um, uh, how do I put it the uh, two turned up those videos there. Oh, man. I mean, that was you, bad. That was bad. You mean when he was, like, uh, dancing and all that? Yeah. Yeah. When you're four and five, I don't really care what uniform that, you're I wearing. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's just if they were... if they were. But, like you said, that guy's got a job, and he yeah. crushed it. So. Yeah. Crushed the ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about Red Raider basketball? What do you think of the season opening performance, Pete? I mean, obviously, it's a work in progress, but uh, you, you know, you don't want to win by just two points. And uh, they, you know, they got the win over A and M Commerce, and uh, you know, Papa Isaac looks good. And uh, you know, they're back at it tomorrow, one o'clock, San, uh, San Jose State. Lady Raiders won last night. They're two and zero. They beat Tarleton seventy to sixty three. Texas Tech soccer won last night, one to nothing. Beat Florida Gulf Coast. So now they play Princeton. And Josh Young was at the game last night, so he's back in town. Huh. Well, man, he went to like, the soccer game like a conquering hero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, if you've got Josh Young here and uh, next next weekend, you've got uh, baseball uh, with uh, the fall series, the red black series going yeah. on. I think it's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. That seems right. I think I saw Monday. I, I know it's going to be. But that right there with all the uh, things we're going to try and get some of the former Red Raiders baseball players to join us on the rock and pregame next week for UCF because they're all going to be in town for the big series. Right. You know, if if you're looking at, sorry, I'm skipping around. If <laughs> the current Mount Rushmore of like, you know, tech alums who've gone on or playing right. the pros, you got obviously Mahomes and yeah. Josh Young, but who else? You don't have anybody in basketball on but there A-Berg? for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. No, good point. I'm, I can't. I can't believe I forgot about it. Would, would it be Mac McClung because he won the slam? Mac no, McClung. I hope no. not. <laughs> he had 14 last night for the. I uh, wish it for the Culver, Magic in, you know, the, in the G perfect. League. Yeah, Culver had 24 points last night. In the G League. In the G League. Yeah. yeah. Is there anybody in the NBA right now? I don't playing? think so. Adonis Arms had like 14 last night in the G League. What, what's Mooney up to? I know uh, you talked to him every once in a while. Where's yeah, he he, I mean, he's still playing over in Turkey. I saw he had a good game the other night. Uh, I just texted him last week. but uh, They need know, a star in the NBA, and then it would be complete. The, yeah. the Texas Tech current Mount Rushmore, I mean, with Young and Mahomes. Well, maybe you got to put meat. <laughs> meat <judging. No. laughs> I thought I was bad. No, I was just. I was just, no, I was just. I was just saying. I thought I was bad. Of, of Sean looked like judging. he really wanted to say something, but yeah. then he didn't. Go ahead. No, I. I just. I just look at it as you, we talked about the golden age of Red Raider sports. 
and how are we in you know a lesser age right now because the thing is is that you you're transition not, you're you're transitioning to a to a lesser age because football's not doing well and basketball is suboptimal or is it the beginning of a re- renovation a reemergence you got first year a basketball coach who's coached one game yeah you have a second year coach who in his first season i mean did a lot of things uh, that Tech hasn't done in a long time, and in some cases, being UT and OU in the same year has never done before. So I think it's just really early. It's transition, you know, right now. Micah Hudson looks looked great yesterday. He did. <laughs> God, he looked <laughs> he great. Did. He looked really good. Uh, Texas high school football playoffs is one of my been one of my favorite things to be a part of in any way. Uh, my uncle Rico days, and then. Uh, <laughs> You know, covering it for a long time, and then now just as a fan, just an admirer, it's great. And Micah Hudson is, uh, man, he's a unique talent. Well, hey, coming up on the show today, we're going to have you know look at the the future of Red Raider football. We'll hear from the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, uh, Ron Reeves, former Red Raider, going to talk about the Red Raider days, past and present and future. And uh, we'll look at the Red Raiders uh, and Lady Raiders basketball coming up. Uh, you are listening to the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show on Rock One Hundred One Point One. The Rockin' Interview. Welcome back to the Rockin' Pregame Show. Time now to uh, do a segment that uh, Jared Johnson's put a lot of time and effort in from inside the Red Raiders, comparing recruiting. We're going we're gonna to bump that. We're doing we an audible. Oh, we yeah. are. I heard that, but then, uh, you, okay, I got you. I got you. Rocking interview. Okay. Omaha. 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 Yes. Hey, uh, joining us right now in studio, former Red Raider Ron Reeves played for Tech from 1978 to 81, but originally drafted by the Cleveland Indians. Uh, that's a true statement. But uh, if you really dig down and look in the records, I was actually the very next to the last person taken in a draft. It had 45 rounds or something. So it was really just a, I'd already committed that I was going to go play football at Tech, and they just drafted me. So in case I changed my mind, because I was, I was a full full bore ahead with going to be a quarterback at Tech. So you didn't look at it much at all. No, not any. So I was planning on playing football. I mean, uh, basketball, not basketball, yeah. baseball at Tech as well. That was part of what I wanted to do to go someplace I could play both and I tried to do that my uh, freshman year in the spring and uh, you know coach Dockery wouldn't let me miss any spring training and so you know it ended up being I was baseball at 12 till 2 and then off season and I mean it was a it was brutal and uh, I just thought I'd had a little success as a freshman and I thought well maybe I just go football so Anyway, I don't regret it. It was good. What? What? Tell us about f- tech football back in the late seventies, early eighties. Well, late seventies. You know, I came in seventy eight, and uh, you know, Rodney Allison was there in seventy seven. So that kind of tells you, you know, what kind of team they had. They had a good run through the late seventies, and uh, it was a lot of pressure. I think uh, to continue that, um, we had a coaching change. Coach Sloan was there in seventy seven, and he left. And the rap on him was that he didn't recruit great while he was there. He had a bunch of people from Jim Carlin's uh, era, uh, including Rodney, and all those guys were 
his recruits. We had a few fifth-year seniors that were carryovers that were, you could tell the difference in the way the linemen looked. They were, they looked like linemen. And um, so it was a, it was a transitional period and uh, we still had some good players and, you know, kind of first part of my career, it was, it was better than it was at the end. You you mentioned, excuse me, being drafted. And I guess it wasn't really a decision for you, but we always like to talk to former athletes about the recruitment and why they chose Texas Tech. With you being a local guy, did that make it easier, or, or what, what? Just give us an idea of what your recruitment was like and what other schools pursued you. Well, it was. Uh, I, I grew up on Twenty First in Boston. Okay. And uh, my dad uh, played a couple of years at Tech. Um, you know, I I had a Donnie Anderson football jersey and a, a helmet that I'd put his number on and every afternoon I was out there in the yard listening to the band practice because it's just right across I mean I don't know that I I did go visit a few other places I went and visited Baylor and TCU Um, I got recruited by more I mean Texas recruited me but they were just like hey I mean I told them I said I'm I'm going to Tech and uh, anyway so I was very very committed to being a Red Raider and um, glad that I did. I mean, we had we had I, we could have had better years, but you look back on it at this stage of your life, and you just have relationships with people and coaches, and that's really what it's all about. You know, some of the guys I've gotten to know uh, since I've in the last decade covering Texas Tech and former players talk about, especially in your era, talk about some of the freshman hazing that went on. Is there anything you could share on the um, air that you... I'll, I'll just say there was a little of that. Yes, uh, part uh, you know, but it was quick and. I wouldn't say painless, but anyway, it <laughs> yeah. was, and it doesn't need to be, no details. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ron, you know, you, you were quarterback at Tech, but originally you were a middle linebacker at Monterey and then converted to quarterback. Uh, what was that transition like, and did you realize it was going to lead to some great opportunities? Well, uh, my sophomore year at Monterey, um, we had a very good quarterback who was it was a guy named Scott Gardner who played professional baseball for a good long while in the Astros organization. But he was a senior, you know, I was a sophomore, and they just tried to find a spot for me on the field. And I was a physical player. Um, actually ended up leading the team in tackles my sophomore year, I think. Um, but um, just and, – and actually they would put me in the next two years if we had goal line defense or something – Coach Magel, he's a defensive coach. He would, Reeves, get in there, you know. And anyway, so, I mean, I love just, I wanted to play. Yeah. Didn't really play both ways all the time, but I did some. What's your assessment now of, of uh, what, you know, what Joey McGuire's uh, trying to build now in his second year here at Texas Tech? I think he's making good progress. I mean, I, I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, as he is able to continue to recruit, and uh, he's got such great influence on so many coaches across the state that they know that they can send their kid to to play for Joey, and he's going to get better, and he's going to get treated fairly. And and uh, you know, Lubbock is a good place. It's hard to get people out here, but it's it's hard to get them to leave once they get out here too. So yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, and then uh, have you have you had uh, many opportunities to to visit with Coach McGuire? That guy is, I mean, every time I'm anywhere near him, you know, he's up, come on over here, you know. I mean, it's, he does it with you all, too, I'm sure. It's just like I've never seen a guy as um, outgoing and, and good with names. In fact, one little quick snippet, because my I have a son-in-law that played 
uh, for KU in the 2007-2008 time frame when they were actually good like yeah. they are now. And uh, he was up here. He's a he's a filmmaker, and he was up here doing some stuff for uh, I don't know if it's for the Big Twelve Conference or whatever. But he was doing some special stuff video wise, and he met Joey. And anyway, I was picking my son-in-law up for lunch one day, and Joey came walking by, and I I rolled down the window, and I'd met him four or five times, you know, and he always knew who I was, and uh, I just spoke to him, and then he went up and found my son-in-law, and he. He told my son-in-law, well, my son-in-law came over and got in the truck and we went to lunch. He said, Coach McGuire said to quit introducing yourself to him every time you see him. He knows who you are. <laughs> and so I don't introduce myself to him anymore, but, you know, I just try to try to make it easy on somebody if I'm meeting them, you know. Because yeah. I don't look anything like I did back when I played football. What is it for you to see these facilities and the growth of this program from when your thing, when you probably had to check out jock straps and shoes, and, and now it's like they, yeah. they, they have all this to, to work with? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I'm familiar with the facilities. I mean, I haven't been to see how easy it is to be a student athlete at this point, but they've got, you know, you got everything in the world for them for academics and everything else. We had one academic advisor for all the sports. So, you know, it was, uh, they, they just, they, they set the table for these guys and girls in the athletic program, which they should. And, uh, they, they got it, they got it nice. And, uh, I'm not complaining. I'm thankful I got my education paid for and, um, got to do it at a place that I loved and, and got to do it with guys that I loved. So, uh, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy that I know. You know, you still have two top ten records, sixth in career passing attempts and career attempts at tenth place. So uh, after all these years, you're still there in the top ten. Well, the game's changed a little yeah. bit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we I think I had one game that I had 280 yards passing, and it was in a losing effort to Arkansas, uh, who was very very much better than we were. But um, it's changed a lot. I did see, I was going through the records, I mean, you know, that's kind of, egotistical but i was going back through stuff a while back and I, I think i saw and you might be able to find this sometime but i think i saw they had rushing quarterback rushing yards rushing records and i wasn't at the top but i was ahead of Mahomes. So, <laughs> wow and you know i'm sitting there going dude I am ahead of Patrick Mahomes on some record at Texas Tech. That's the only thing I care yeah. about at this point. So, what you, have you met Mahomes? Have you talked with him? I've never met him. I have not met That'd him. That would be cool if somebody but, put you all together. Maybe McGuire or somebody in the staff can, yeah, can do that sometime. Yeah. I mean, he's what a, what a great player, what a great uh, representative he's he's been and will continue to be. I mean, he's the man. You yeah. know, I mean, he's that's pretty cool. If you yeah. meet him, you have to tell him about the record book. About the rushing yards. Well, thing. I, I need to make sure that's correct. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I saw that, but anyway, I, I'm, I stand to be corrected, but I'm going to look it up. What do you think about the current group of, of quarterbacks for Tech? Obviously, once again, uh, working on the third quarterback for the season, uh, that's always tough. I'm familiar with Barron. Um, you know, Coach Morton, mm. uh, we did Bible study, coaches outreach at Monterey for years together. He's a good friend of mine, and so I've been aware of Barron uh, for a, a long time, but, and he's, he's a top-notch player. I mean, the poor guys just, you get beat up out there and you don't complain. Uh, sometimes you can't practice all week. And I, I know that's what he's been living through really both the past two seasons. 
it's frustrating. It gets your mind down to where, you know, almost like if you get a season-ending injury, it's almost a relief because it's so hard to get back and get out there and play at the level you want to play. And I know that's frustrating for Barron. Um, and Tyler Shuck, I mean, what a tragedy that deal yeah. has been. So, you know, you don't go through two good quarterbacks like that very often as probably as a coach or as a team and uh, come out very good on the other side. But I don't know anything about the, the young guys that are out there. Um, but obviously Barron is, is the man if we can keep him healthy. Yeah. What's your favorite Red Raider memory from your playing days? Well, uh, probably if you looked at a game, um, we were, I'm trying to think of the year this was. I made myself a note here so I could remember. I guess it was 1978, our freshman, my freshman year. And uh, we started out, we played USC, uh, played them twice. We played them in 78 out there. We played them in 79 in Lubbock and both close games. They, of course, they were ranked in the top 10. Anyway, we, we ended up, we started out slow. We won against Arizona in the week two, and that was when I got to go in as a freshman. Um, we had two quarterbacks that got, one of them got dinged up. The other one wasn't a passer, and we were behind. And I got to go in right before the half time, and things went wonderfully. I mean, divinely uh, directed. And, uh, and I started from then on the rest of my career. If I was healthy, I was starting. But um, we ended up playing Texas the next week, A&M the next week, took a beating. And then we started on a winning streak, and we won six games in a row. And if we had won our last game against Arkansas, we would have uh, – and, and uh, Houston would have lost. We would have gone to the Cotton Bowl. So we had a pretty good year. We ended up 7-4. and four. But the Houston game, uh, they were number four in the country when they came in there, and we rallied and we scored right before – uh, well, there's about three minutes left in the game, and we went for two to win. And James had not. We ran a screen pass, of all things, on a two-point conversion. I mean, I don't know anybody that calls a screen pass on a two-point conversion. Yeah. But he broke about three tackles and got in, so we won 22-21, to 21, and they were number four in the country. And that was our seventh win. That's And we had offensive linemen doing <clears throat> somersaults as they came off the field. They were so excited, but... That's definitely the the highlight game of uh, of my time frame there. Nice, hey Ron. You played a couple of years in the USFL. Is that correct? I did. I, I got drafted by the Oilers and and then got released the second week of season because they uh, their quarterback that they thought was going to make it is a guy named Gifford Nielsen from BYU. He wasn't cutting it, so they traded for Archie Manning. Oh, and, wow. uh, so when they traded for Archie Manning, they cleaned up my locker and <laughs> put Archie in there. And so, uh, but yeah, and then I ended up playing, uh, I played a season in Canada and then I played two seasons in the USFL. So. Oh, wow. And then tell, tell people out there, like basically what you've been up to since then and uh, just what you're up to now. Um, I came back to Lubbock and uh, I had done a little bit of training in the off seasons to be a landman in the oil business. And when I, when I got back and wasn't doing football anymore, um, it was, you know, oil prices were at $9 a barrel and nobody was, I mean, it was not a good time to jump in the oil business. So my stepdad was a builder, home builder, and uh, he, he said, come out here and, and learn this. And so I started in 87 and uh, I still do it today. I mean, I build, we build houses, we build commercial jobs. I mean, we just have a small construction company, but it's been something I've loved doing and um, proud of. 
Well, awesome. Well, uh, what's your thoughts on the game today? It's going to be tough. Uh, I got some family skin in the game, so I sure hope the Red Raiders win. I mean, <laughs> it's been easy to cheer on the KU Tech game for years. I've had this son and all, but he's, uh, you know, he's talking trash. And so, man, I hope that we can pull it off. And I think we're capable of it. But, you know, they've got some – they've got – their level of talent is – uh, at ours or above in a lot of spots. Can I ask your opinion? Like, obviously, talent matters. I mean, I, there's no debating that. But how much? How much? Is, like, I, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment. Kansas is like their recruiting classes weren't great. Like, and it's not that Lance Leipold has he has gone to the transfer portal, but that's not a lot of the guys who are starring that are making the place for them right now. They're guys that were recruited by the previous staff three, four classes ago, and they've developed them. How important is it, in your opinion, in terms of talent versus being able to develop the talent you have on your roster? Well, it's important. I mean, you know, you think about how many junior college kids that, uh, you know, whether they're – most of those kids are – a lot of those kids aren't less than as far as athleticism. They just have to get the maturity to catch up or development and, uh, you know, getting those guys that are still – you know, they're still on a path of improvement. And if you can pull them together, uh, that's the hard part with this whole transfer portal thing. It just seems like to me it'd be so hard every year. You're you're having to recruit your players that you already have. You're recruiting new ones. You don't know who's leaving. I mean, it's like, you know, dumping the pieces out and just grabbing what right. you can grab. And uh, I would not want to be in those, those uh, coaches' position that they are. But it's tough. But um, – I think Joey, he's going to compete at a high level with all the rest of the guys. If you could choose a coach for, let's say, Texas Tech, for the program you love, would you have that coach be an expert at recruiting, development, or scheme? Which one do you think's like? I think it's uh, more recruiting than, than yeah. a lot because yeah. you've got to have the right players. Um, and you can, the staff, I mean, you know, and you got to have a good staff. And, uh, you know, you got to have people that are bought in. Um, you know, that, that's hard, whether they're coaches, players, mm-hmm. just the whole athletic department. And I think, I think we have a buy-in on, on Joey. We just got to keep the di- distractions and the background noise from getting too loud because uh, I think he's going to do a fine job. Awesome. Well, hey, former Red Raider Ron Reeves, quarterback, 78 to, to 81 with Texas Tech. Really appreciate you coming on the Rockin' Pregame show, coming out here early in the morning and uh, sharing some a lot of good stories with us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. Thanks, Ron. Absolutely. When we come back. Jared Johnson will break down uh, recruiting over the last five years for Kansas and Texas Tech. Stay with us. You're listening to the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Show on Rock 101.1. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting with 24-7 Sports, Jared Johnson. Yeah, Jared Johnson's been breaking down uh, recruiting uh, Texas Tech against whoever they're facing each week, looking back at the last five years and, and how things have played out for both teams. And, and today we're, we're looking at Kansas. As, uh, Red Raiders take on the 19th-ranked Jayhawks, 11 a.m. this morning. The game is on FS1. Uh, first off, Jared, uh, just how has this segment been for you, going through and diving into all that stuff? That's an uh, amazing question because I was just going to start with that anyways. It's been so informative i'm surprised you know we do these things we do research we have this these stories and 
sometimes it's just like, okay, you just you're doing you're doing the deal, you know. But this has been really informative. I've learned a lot about the teams Tech have played in it. Honestly, I, I always say recruiting is the most honest reflection of the current state of a program. And it is the case. It really is. It really shows you why things are happening, why things ha- play out the way they do. Um, with Kansas, it's interesting because they had perhaps the worst roster situation in all of the country, or right up there, not that long ago, just a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, Joey McGuire mentioned it Monday that you know they didn't have uh, you know full scholarship roster. You know, they didn't have all the scholarships accounted for. Most programs are having to figure out how to get down to the 85 limit and Kansas couldn't even get there. I mean, that's how bad they were because of, uh, was it Weiss? Weiss was a really hurt, uh, really hurt them in terms of the roster and just the coaching turnover and all the futility. And, uh, what Leipold has done with first off, Les miles actually did a pretty good job recruiting the actual on the field results were terrible. The um, and in, in in talking with Michael Swain over at the Kansas twenty four seven site, he said there was just no discipline. So that's really what Leipold first thing his staff came in and did was uh, establish discipline. So in to answer your question, in looking at and doing these stories, it's the the why, the why is provided by by going through these rosters yeah. and seeing who's playing, who's making plays, what class, who recruited them how they're being utilized and all that stuff. But, uh, um, you know, Michael mentioned that uh, they added some transfers. So when I went into the story, actually just yesterday is when I really dove into it. And it takes me a couple of hours to, 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 to really get a handle on it, to, to go back five classes. But uh, I was surprised because here's the deal. It's not a, I mean, there are transfers playing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, just like every other school. But in looking in this and having doing having done this for like five weeks, they don't have more transfers than certainly not like a Kansas State or Texas Tech. Their 2020 class. Listen to some of the guys that are you're going to see today and who have been making plays for them in their seven and two record. Uh, well, it started off with Jalen Daniels. He obviously is out, but uh, Daniel uh, Hishaw, who's their backup tank running back, uh, Lawrence Arnold, their top receiver, uh, one of their other top receivers, Quentin Skinner. Yet another top receiver, Luke Grimm. Those are all like three of their top four wide receivers. Melo Dotson, who has two defensive, uh, two pick sixes this year, uh, is is one of the the better DBs in the Big Twelve. Kobe Bryant, who's went into the season considered that's possibly the top cornerback in the Big Twelve and has had a good season. And then their leading sack guy, uh, Jerome Robinson, and then two starting offense alignment as well. I mean, all just from the 2020 class, high school, not transfers. Right. So what, is that, what that tells me is that, first off, Les Miles did a good job recruiting, but also Lance Leipold and his staff are doing a really good job of developing these guys, but also they've implemented quality systems, like the, the, what, they're, what they're running, their offense, their defense, it, it's working. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been enlightening, just to say the least. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, look at them. They're 7-2. and two. They handed Oklahoma their first loss, uh, yep. ranked number 19. I mean, they used to be the laughing stock. Well, Tech has won, what, four? I mean, Tech hadn't been great, you know, since the Leach era, let's be honest, you know. and But they've won, what, 14 of 15? And 20 of 22 overall? The one loss was that uh, 
2019 game where Tech actually, and that was a bad Tech team, let's be honest. And it was in Lawrence, and they blocked the kick. Yeah. But then, who was it? It was that DB. He started for a long time. Right. Uh, but then, he, he did the Leon Lett play, basically. Yes. You know, and Kansas got another kick. Which, that was... Uh, symbolic of the Wells era, the crazy stuff that happened in games, you know, where it's like, what? You know, and that wasn't Matt Wells's fault, but I'm just saying, like, that kind of stuff seemed to happen yeah. over and over. The sky kick, the just weird plays that, that you you feel like you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Kicking a field goal on third down. Second down. Second down. Sorry. I remember asking him about that because it was the COVID year. I just, we're getting way off tangent, but do you remember? Like, I had to ask him. Somebody's got to ask him that question, and it was over Zoom. And they kicked the field goal on second down, and it was his answer was analytics. But I was like, I had I had to actually say, Coach, um, did you know it was second down? And it was yeah. during the press conference, yeah. you know. And again, you know, not just that Matt Wells is a good guy. I consider him a friend. I really do. And we still talk. I mean, text every once in a while, but uh, uh, I'm never going to understand that one. Yeah. I don't care what the analytics say. Tech is twenty-two and two versus twenty-two Kent. and two. There you go. And that that game they lost versus Kansas was thirty seven thirty four in Kansas Douglas in twenty nineteen something Douglas Coleman Coleman yeah was Doug, Doug Coleman Doug Coleman yeah. was the one who did I think gosh he was last, a pretty good player too I mean yeah. he had like a six interception season or something like that or five interception season all right getting back on track though uh, let's let's before we go back in terms of the previous classes twenty twenty four I like to point out that Texas Tech is actually their 22nd, I have 23rd, but they've gone up one. They're 22nd in terms of the high school recruiting in the country and tops in the new Big 12. Obviously, Micah Hudson, Will Hammond, Cheeto Affili, uh, you know, five-star receiver and a couple of four-star guys there uh, highlight the class. Kansas is 45th in high school, which is pretty good for them, to be honest, in uh, sixth in the new Big 12. So that's in the top half of the new Big 12. So they're trending up. They have a really couple uh, nice four-star commits and a and, and couple of edge rushers, like freak athletes and Deshaun Warner. And uh, I can't say this guy's name, but Dakis Brinkley. Dak, Dak, whatever. I can't say that guy's name. But they have a three-star dual-threat cornerback, uh, quarterback, Isaiah Marshall, who I really like as well. But going back in these classes, uh, I, and I started with 2019. Each team has a couple of 2018 guys, but it's very negligible. The only reason they have it is because of COVID. Some of these guys, like Jalen Hutchings is an example. He's playing Kansas for the sixth time today. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he's playing, not just that he's been here. He's playing Kansas for the sixth time. How is that possible? That's wow. you know, crazy. Uh, but Tech, uh, you know, really good 2019 class in terms of guys, you know, the, the fact that they're still playing. Rabbit, Tony Bradford, Austin McNamara, all key players on your team. One of Kansas's top targets, and I, you know, Tech has really struggled against tight ends this year, but Mason Fairchild is somebody to watch. And he's a really good player for them. And then Kenny Logan, he's like Jalen Hutchings. He's been there forever. Kenny Logan has been playing f- football for like 10 years for Kansas, it <laughs> seems like. But actually, it was the 2019 class, and he's been playing since his freshman season. And I mentioned 2020, some of the guys for Kansas. All those guys with those, those notable players that are making plays on a winning team, that high school class was ranked 55th, and then they didn't even have a transfer that year. But, uh, and they were 61st overall, a 10th, last in the Big 12. Right. So th- sometimes these recruiting rankings, that's why I was asking Ron, we had Ron Reeves, who we had on the, in the previous segment about what's more important. Obviously, recruiting is important. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to say it's not. But development and having the right system and the right players for that system 
or getting to play a certain way in your system is right up there in my book because this class was last in the Big 12, uh, you know, not ranked high, highly at all high in, in terms of high school, and yet you're 7-2, two, 4-2. Two. I mean, Kansas could go to the Big 12 championship. It is conceivable that Kansas wins the Big 12 this year. I know that sounds crazy. They would need our help, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That Succinct. Man, a few words, but made, made a good point. Yeah, they, they do need uh, Tech's help today. But uh, moving ahead to 2021, Tech's was 74th oh, in the country. Uh, the 21st transfer class, though, and Rashad Williams, Malik Dunlap, Josiah Pierre were all transfers from that class. Now, this is a big one for uh, – for Kansas in terms of high school again, uh, Devin Neal, uh, you know, who I don't know who I'd pick between him and Taj Brooks, which is about as high a praise as I can give. Devin Neal is legit. And he's a better receiver in terms of production than Taj. I think Taj is underrated or under undervalued. But and then some transfers. This is where they're, you really see them uh, hit the transfer portal, portal heavily. Jason Bean, a transfer in from North Texas. Wide receiver Trevor Wilson. Another one of their top targets. Linebacker Rich Miller, good player. And then two more of their starting offensive linemen were transfers from that 2021 class as well. And then uh, moving ahead to 2022, (laughs) their high school class was ranked 117th, Kansas's. 117th in the country. But 22nd in transfer. Uh, And some more offensive linemen. And... These guys, like a lot of their defense, they have a couple of safeties, a couple of linebackers you'll see today that came from that group. But still, I, I'd say going back, the meat of their 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 group or their team is with, with high school recruits, which was surprising to me. Well, uh, we'll see how it shakes out today, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and I, whose players are going to step up more at 11 a.m.? I, I think what you see... In, in looking at both of these teams and how they've recruited, you see a lot of coaching turnover. You yeah. know, you see basically like, you know, Ron Reeves was talking about transitioning and how um, some guys left over when he first got to Tech that were recruited by one coach were different type of dudes than the guys that were recruited and they played with towards the end of his career. And I think we're still a year or two away from seeing Joey McGuire's, his type of athletes, uh, making a big impact for Texas Tech. Yeah, well, uh, always looking forward to that segment. And uh, coming up later, uh, give us a sneak preview. I know you're going to talk about the, the commits and uh, uh, more recruiting on what Tech's doing uh, for the future. Well, first off, uh, yeah, they've, they picked up a couple of commits I really like for the 2025 class. It's already a, I think they're ranked 33rd. Um, they actually, Coach IU went and visited a guy in Kansas last night that they just recently offered. I'm going to talk about him. Freak athlete. Um, he's one of those dudes who, it's a James Blanchard type special, but uh, I, I'm not sure that, that that Tech's recruiting staff actually discovered him. He's a guy that, his dad was a scat back for Kansas State, a smaller guy, and he played running back all the way uh, up until high school. And now he's 6'3", 235 could run, wrestled for the first time ever last year, and uh, won one state, wow. went to track. They said, hey, you should th- we need you to throw for us. Why don't you try it? In his first season of throwing the discus, he, w- he went to state. I mean, he's just a freak oh. athlete. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the names and all that for later. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff going on with Texas Tech still, even despite the disappointing season so far in terms of recruiting. 
and uh, all this information on Inside the Red Raiders. How, how can somebody jump in on that? Yeah, just go to, you can do Texas Tech, uh, Google search Texas Tech 247. It'll take you right, or Inside the Red Raiders. Uh, if you sign up for the uh, VIP, it's your first month is a dollar, and then it's $10, but you get, uh, after that, your promotional period, but you get Paramount Plus for free after that. Very good. Well, coming up next on the show, we will hear from the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, as he'll talk Kansas football, basketball, and more. You're listening to the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Show, live on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Looking at the Big 12 schedule today, Texas Tech kicks it off at Kansas, 11 a.m. The game is on FS1. The Jayhawks favored by four. Two o'clock today, Baylor goes to number 25, Kansas State. Uh, at 2.30, number 15, Oklahoma State visits Central Florida. Cincinnati and Houston collide 6 p.m. tonight. How in the world is that a 6 p.m. game? Cincinnati's 2-7, and seven, Houston 4-5. and five. West Virginia is at number 17, Oklahoma. That's a 6 p.m. kickoff. Number 7, Texas visits TCU. That's a 6.30 game tonight on ABC. And the late game, Iowa State at BYU. Both teams are 5-4. and four. That is a 9.15 kickoff on ESPN tonight. That is your Big 12 scoreboard. Voices of the Big 12. Red Raiders are winners of the last three in the Kansas series, including a 43-28 win in Lubbock last year. To give us some rocking research, we're joined by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. We welcome back our friend Brian Haney to the rocking pregame. Hey, Sean. Always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Lance Leipold and the Jayhawks have come a long way, bowl eligible in back-to-back seasons for the first time in decades. How has he changed the mentality in Lawrence from wait till basketball season to get a load of us. You know, I think it, it all started two years ago with the big win in Austin, Texas. They win in overtime, 57-56, and it, it put football back on a map for relevance here locally with fan enthusiasm and all of that. You know what? We can't be competitive within the Big 12 Conference, and they took that tidal wave of momentum into the offseason, had a really productive spring, hit on some great players in the portal, and then, obviously, you saw last season, they race out to a 5-0 and start. They end up getting to host ESPN College Game Day. And all of a sudden, everybody's piling on the bandwagon. Everybody's feeling like Kansas football is a ton of fun because they had a high-octane offense that was scoring 36 points a game and competing with just about everybody they went up against. And we heard our, had our quarterback go down with an injury that day, Jalen Daniels. And I'm talking about last year's injury, uh, not this year's. And... And yet we saw Kansas still fight and be competitive and make it to a bowl game, uh, even with him missing the bulk of the second half of the year. And so we knew that that first big step of week in, week out competitiveness, competitiveness had been achieved. Now was it a matter of, you know, can you actually go out there and be a real threat to, to shake up the league race? And that's what Kansas has become in 2023. And if you would have told me that Jalen Daniels, the preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year would not even play a third of this season at this point. Uh, would Kansas you know, have any chance to be right now tied for, I guess, essentially third, one game back of the two teams tied for first? 
I don't think many would have believed that. But Jason Bean's done a tremendous job in, in really taking the next step in his own game, which has allowed this Kansas offense to not miss the beat. And you go back and look at uh, that, that close loss in Stillwater right now, it's the only thing separating them from being one of the teams to beat and, and one of the teams with the inside track to Arlington, Texas. So it's been a pretty special run. But I, I think just incrementally from the gigantic win in year one, the more sustained success in year two to now a breakthrough year in year three. Uh, they, they've taken it one step at a time, but man, it's just been fun to watch. And football fever is absolutely back in Lawrence, Kansas. Something we haven't felt since the Mark Mangino era going back to 2007-2008. How has Leipold kept his players focused on today's game with Texas Tech without looking past uh, the Red Raiders and towards next week's Sunflower Showdown? It's a great question, Pete, because obviously that Sunflower Showdown game is a huge one, but as much as we've shown progress this year and enjoyed the 7-2 and two start, I don't think Kansas is at all in any position to look ahead or look past anyone, and especially when you consider the all-time series count, the fact that Kansas has won just twice in the history of this series. And there were some pretty lean years in there between uh, you know, way back in, in uh, 2001 and 2019 when they won for the second time. So I think they'll point to that. I think they'll point to the fact that they need to run the table if they want to have an outside shot at making it to the Big 12 title game because right now Texas and Oklahoma State have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Kansas. So Lance and his staff do a great job of keeping this team locked in one game at a time and, and make sure you don't look ahead or look past anybody. And I think between the series history and, and what this team's big goal of Big 12 title inclusion entails, I think that's enough to make sure they don't look ahead of anybody. I've been doing a series on of the recruiting successes and failures between the Red Raiders and teams they face. Who was the big, biggest success in the last five years for the Jayhawks, and who is still developing for the future? Some of our biggest recruiting hits have been transfer portal guys that the Kansas coaching staff under Lance Leipold has, has done a great job of identifying the talent, getting them to really explode here at the Big 12 level. But if you're talking about like a, a you know, high school recruit that they were on for multiple years, Previous staff landed Devin Neal, and he was the number one player in the state of Kansas. And he committed to KU football when there wasn't much to shake a stick at in terms of you know any type of tangible proof that this program was was on the rise. And to see what they've become now, and to see the fact that as soon as we get done playing you guys this week and K State next week, they're going to get in the demolition team and knock out the entire west side of the stadium. And by the time uh, you guys come back around on the schedule, it's going to be a brand-new palace uh, of, a, of a venue here, as good as any you'll see in the Big 12 Conference in terms of state-of-the-art renovation and, and bells and whistles and all that. And Devin Neal committed long before there was breaking ground on anything in terms of facilities or any progress in terms of the wind column. And to see what he's become individually and where the program has climbed in the midst of his contribution is a great, great success story. So there's an example of you got the number one player in the state that you probably shouldn't have, but him investing in something that he could not see, having faith and believing in something that might eventually come to fruition is is really a beautiful thing because now it is. Now he's going to go to back-to-back bowl games. He'll have a chance to be drafted at the end of this year, and uh, he'll have a chance to otherwise come back as a senior on a team that might be one of the 
two or three teams picked to win the league in 2024. And so I think that's one of the great recruiting success stories. And it actually began with Les Miles' coaching staff. In terms of uh, you know guys still climbing, I think there's there's a lot of, of young names still, uh, you know, right now unseen largely because this is a veteran team that brings back as much experience as any in the Big 12 Conference, actually second most in the country. So some of the younger guys like Logan Brantley, who's a linebacker out of Cherry Creek in Denver, Colorado, he hasn't had a chance to, to really scratch yet this year, but looking forward to what his future could entail. And there's several other skill position guys in that same mold. But thankfully for Kansas, unlike a lot of years, they've got you know really polished and experienced sports and fifth-year players that uh, right now are making it hard for the highly talented recruits to even see the field this early in their career. K-O-N-E Lubbock. We're talking to the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, on the Rockin' Pre-Game Show. Coach Leipold said this week that there are good days and bad days with injured quarterback Jalen Daniels. What's the difference in Daniels and Jason Bean? Well, right now it's availability. I mean, we love Jalen as much as you possibly could. He's, he's got all the charisma in the world. He's an excellent playmaker, decision maker. He can do things that not many quarterbacks in this league can but, bless his heart, he has just really struggled to avoid the injury bug. And you know, it goes back to starting as a true freshman when he was 17 years old under Les Miles. And Brent Dearman was the offensive coordinator at the time. So then backing up Jason Bean and Lance Leipold's first season before he broke through at the end of the year after a Bean injury. And he was the one that, that led Kansas to the big win down in Austin that we talked about. Last year, obviously, dealt with the shoulder injury. It cost him half the season, and then he comes back in the bowl game, and he was brilliant. became the first player in FBS bowl history to throw for five TDs, over 500 yards, and a rushing TD in a bowl game. And that's why you saw him as the preseason player of the year offensively in this league. But sadly, he's just really struggled to have any kind of sustained consistency health-wise. And so no matter what I could sit up here and tell you about, the way he improvises when the pocket collapses and the play breaks down and he makes things happen with his feet and his arm. And no matter what I could tell you about, you know, the, the guy that's got such natural leadership, it just oozes out of his pores. It, it's just not been on display because he's not been healthy. And by and large, has kind of been distanced a bit from the team to have to work out on his own personal rehab to where this has become Jason Bean's team now. And so this Jalen return at some point this year, maybe, but we only got three games left, including this week. And so it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, a huge contribution this year. He could still play in one more game and still take a red shirt. That could be coming. I don't know, but uh, I know this, whenever he's healthy, he's as good of a quarterback as we've had since Todd Reasoning. So we certainly want to, keep him happy and in the program and engaged and all that. But make no mistake, Kansas' success this season, their ability to keep the arrow pointed upward after he went down is largely thanks to the way Jason Bean sees the opportunity. And uh, he took on a role very selflessly in the offseason, coming back to be the backup when he could have transferred, got somewhere else to start. And he's being rewarded for that now. So we're so glad we've got Jason. He's really blossomed as a leader previously a much more soft-spoken guy that was a little more shy and timid to step up and be a vocal leader. But he seized this opportunity as his chance, his team, his swan song. And so we will go as far as Bean will take us. And if Jalen comes back at some point, 
that's icing on the cake. But uh, but Jason has been a real blessing for this team in 2023. Well, Brian, uh, receivers Arnold and Skinner have been making an impact for the Jayhawks. Which is the more talented between the two? Wow, that's like asking somebody who's your favorite kid, right? I think they're both super talented and. They both do things uh, in very impressive ways that, that might be unique to one another. But um, in, in Lawrence's case, he's probably a more consistent statistical option week in and week out. He led the team receiving yards a year ago. He had the huge catch on fourth and six versus Oklahoma to keep the game alive. And he took it all the way inside the 10 to set up the game-winning score. Uh, one of the biggest regular season plays we've had in KU football history. But Skinner has had back-to-back weeks of SportsCenter top 10 highlight reel catches, and he's a great vertical threat that uh, clearly has commanded a lot of attention and respect out of opponent secondaries all year. So who's the more talented man? I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. But let me tell you, just to have two great options like that to construct the field and be matchup, if not nightmares, matchup concerns, for the opposition after many years not having guys that move the needle or really put a whole lot of fear into the secondaries of your opposition. It really is a sight for sore eyes and something we've been really, really grateful to have this year. And don't forget about the kid we call the Grim Reaper, Luke Graham. He's a great possession receiver type. Tech fans will uh, you know, always look for a Wes Welker, Danny Amendola type guy. Uh, he has that possession receiver, go over the middle, make the tough catch, run sharp routes, you know, type moxie and makeup to him. And I think he's a guy you can't sleep on either. Brian, you can't stop Bill Self. Uh, you can kind of only try to help to contain him. What needs to happen on the court this year for another banner to be hung? Well, we want to see three-point shooting emerge consistently. And former Red Raider Kevin McCullough has really shown a lot of progress in his outside shot since electing to come back for a second year at Kansas. That's something he needed to prove to NBA scouts. And in back-to-back games now, he's had four three-pointers. And he's a guy that, if he could flirt with 38 to 40% from downtown this year, that'd be a nice step. It would help Kansas a great deal. But our best three-point shooter a year ago wound up being a lottery pick Toronto Raptors, Brady Dick. And we also lost Jalen Wilson to the draft. Uh, he's now with the Brooklyn Nets. And so seeing three-point shooting emerge is going to be as key as anything, Sean, because You've got arguably the best center in the country, one of the top point guards in the country. We all feel like Kevin McCullough is one of the best perimeter defenders in the country. Who's going to be the guy that stretches the floor with consistent three-point shooting? And it can't just be Kevin. You need Nick Timberlake, a transfer from Towson, to help in that regard. You need several players to step up and emerge, including the Australian import, Johnny Furphy, who joined this team late in August. So, uh, those are you know some of the names to look for, but that's easily the most talked about concern on a team that obviously has a lot of strength and a lot to be proud of. But that's, that's maybe the one glaring let's wait and see. And having said that, in their opener on Tuesday, or I guess it was Monday now, uh, they went 13 from 23 from three for 57 percent. So hopefully, while those numbers aren't sustainable, they can be a club that shoots in the upper 30s and, and be formidable in that regard because scoring inside should not be a problem with a guy like Hunter Dickinson. 
Hey, Brian, the new schedule matrix uh, up now, and uh, this will be the last shot until 2027 for the Red Raiders to face the Jayhawks and Lawrence. What are your thoughts on divisionless football and the future of the Big 12? Well, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I haven't had a chance to dive into it too much. I, I went to see, okay, we're playing K-State every year, right? All right, check. Now, now, when do we have to go to Ames? Okay, only twice? All right, that's good. <laughs> no disrespect to Ames. It's just usually cold and icy when we go up there. And then, then I was looking at, okay, when do I get to see my friends in Lubbock again? How often do we get those trips? And honestly, and I'm going to sound like an old curmudgeon here, and I'm too young to be old, but I kind of miss the way it was. I love the double round robin. I love you know the predictability and consistency of seeing the same people every year. I know the double round robin was specific to basketball. Obviously, you can't have that on the gridiron, but at least you were playing each team somewhere each year. And I know that's not possible now in a conference this big, but man, uh, it, it is hard to figure out the frequency with which you're playing certain teams now and, and thinking about not going to certain venues for three or four years in between matchups. That to me doesn't feel like conference athletics as we've all grown up around in the Southwest and Big 12 conferences or in my childhood sake, the Big 8 and Big 12 conferences. So, I'm going to miss what we had, to be honest. And uh, I'm going to miss the fact that some of my best friends and favorite haunts in Lubbock are places I won't get to see every single year unless uh, you know the baseball and basketball schedules are kinder to it. So that's, that's kind of my early read on it. I know the coaches will look at it from a more you know analytical caliber of competition standpoint. But for me, you know, I, I just I wish we had a little more consistency there, but I realize that's not realistic as this conference continues to swell and grow and get bigger and bigger. Well, what are the keys to tonight's game? As great as Jason Bean has been, and as much as he's one of the best stories in college football this season, a guy that steps into the QB1 role and has led Kansas to number 16 in the college football playoff standings, as great as all that is, he still, at times, has had a tendency to have some untimely head-scratching throws that could get you in trouble. Last week in Ames, he played clean football, mistake-free by and large, made all the big throws, steered clear of some of the throws that can get you beat. And look at Kansas. They went up there for the first time in 15 years. The Oklahoma game, he had two fourth-quarter interceptions that almost cost him the game. And so... For a team like Texas Tech, that obviously is coming off a big win over TCU, they're getting a little bit healthier, trying to get a little bit of momentum down the stretch. I mean, they'll be like sharks smelling blood in the water if, if Jason makes some errant throws, which has been kind of the book on him for the last two and a half years. Has he truly graduated past that? Is he now stepping into an area of self-confidence and consistency unlike we've seen? KU fans hope so. But the best way to, to give the underdog visiting team the upper hand here, a team that has had the upper hand pretty much the entire existence of this rivalry, would be to have some of those self-inflicted wounds. You know, Kansas is one of the best teams in America in non-offensive touchdowns. They've capitalized on other teams' mistakes as well as anybody. Melo Dotson, for example, has back-to-back -back pick sixes these last couple of weeks. Kobe Bryant scored defensively. So, too, has... Kenny Logan, Kansas several times this season has won because they got a defensive score. You can't count on that week in and week out, no matter how much it's happened to you. What you can very ill afford is to give points to the other team with your own mistakes. So I think for the Jayhawks, 
Personnel-wise, they match up pretty good. They've got a great shot to win this one, but they need to play clean football, win the turnover battle. Don't give Tech any kind of opportunity to, to close that gap with uh, you know with some giveaways that Bean has been prone to doing prior to just very, very recently. So that's still fresh in everybody's minds, and I'm sure an area of emphasis for an opportunistic Texas Tech defense. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, thanks for taking a little time with us for some rock and research. See you back whenever the Big 12 allows it. <laughs> Sounds good, Sean. Always a pleasure, guys. Miss seeing y'all, and look forward to seeing you come hoop season. Take care. Well, Brian Haney giving us an insight into the Kansas Jayhawks. When we come back, we will take a look at Red Raider basketball. Off to a good start, uh, Red Raiders and Lady Raiders. That is next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Looking at the top 10 schedule for today. Number 8, Alabama goes to Kentucky at 11 a.m. Number 3, Michigan at number 10, Penn State, 11 a.m. kickoff. We've got number... Five, Washington hosting number 18, Utah. That is at 2.30 today. Number four, Florida takes on the U of Miami at 2.30 today. We've got number two, Georgia taking on number eight, Ole Miss. Number nine, Ole Miss. That's a 9-0 and against an 8-1. and That is a 6 o'clock game tonight. Number one, Ohio State hosts Michigan State. That is at 6.30. Number seven, Texas takes on TCU. That is a 6 30 kickoff and finally number six oregon who is eight and one hosts usc who's seven and three that is a 9 30 kickoff tonight that is your top 10 schedule texas tech basketball Time to talk a little Red Raider basketball. We have that overlap from football to basketball. And uh, Texas Tech, one game in the books. Uh, They beat uh, Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, What was that, Wednesday night? All these days run together. But uh, Red Raiders back at it tomorrow, taking on San Jose State. That's a 1 p.m. tip time. Uh, Jarrett, what's your initial thoughts of uh, of this team? And obviously, uh, you know, they had beaten A&M in that exhibition game, which probably yeah. opened some eyes that, hey, maybe these guys can, you know, uh, start something and, uh, you know, off to, off to a good start. They are off to a good start. I think it was a sloppy game, you know, especially the second half. Got pretty ugly, a lot of turnovers, some poor shot selection. But, um, you know, I, I do like the mix of, Warren Washington's got to be stay healthy and got to stay out foul trouble because um, I don't really know other than Robert Jennings. He's, I mean, Warren Washington's the only legit big they have when you talk about like Big Twelve play. Now they can go small and they can do some things. So I don't want to be overly dramatic, but I like him. I think he was a huge piece. There's several guys that they obviously knew additions that people want to talk about but i think it all starts with Warren washington because if you don't have that that guy anchoring your defense uh how many rebounds did he finished with for the for the game i can't remember but he led the team <clears throat> i didn't like that he he didn't seem to be as strong with the balls i would have liked he had the ball taken stripped from him a couple 
you know, too many times. And I don't know if he's going to get some of those foul calls on the road in the Big 12 that he got. But uh, I really like him. I really like Darian Williams, his whole floor game. Um, Toussaint, as your floor general, I wish he was a better shooter, <laughs> to be honest. But um, in terms of defense, uh, setting the offense up, I really like him. Pop Isaacs, obviously, uh, the offense he brings from the outside, the firepower. Uh, he's going to be really exciting at times. <clears throat> I feel like I'm Devin Cambridge, defense, uh, size, athleticism. I, I, I mean, I like these guys. I like the team. Uh, Kerwin Washington appears to be what he is. You know what I mean? He might hit four threes in a random game for you, but then you don't hear from him from a month. I think that's just what he is, you know? I mean, um, so hopefully that will be a, a meaningful game when he does that. Yeah, well, they, I think they had three guys in double figures uh, with Pop Isaacs and Williams and uh, – Somebody else, I can't remember. Off the was top it Warren? Maybe Warren. Warren. Warren was uh, uh, short of double figures oh, okay. because if he had gotten another basket, he would have had a double double. He was on on pace to have a double double just in the first half, mm. just on the basis of he when he was on the floor, he was controlling the boards. Well, and you know what I liked? I liked the McCaslin after the game running over and getting into the student section, just trying to rile folks up to, you know, obviously bigger fish to fry to, to come in the future. And, I mean, you got to get these wins and uh, and kind of learn what you got in the, the next opportunity tomorrow against San Jose State at, at 1 o'clock. What was attendance like? The attendance was mid. I wasn't at the game. We had... The whole rest of the staff there. So, but uh, it was it was okay. It wasn't. I mean, it was a late a late arriving crew. I mean, the, the, there was plenty of traffic and a couple of accidents to keep people out. But it wasn't. You know, they. It was okay. I was mean, okay. It, it, it was not a. I mean, the student section was full. Good. But but the rest. Yeah. I mean, Texas A and M Commerce. It's just for the season right. over. Yeah. Like, you know, and then. You know, after all the drama of last season, too. So, but, uh, you know, I, I think overall nobody got hurt. They won handily. They covered the spread, you know, I mean, which is always a good sign. And uh, I thought first half they looked really good. Second half they looked sloppy. It's to be expected playing with the big lead. Yeah. Well, and they uh, they honored Bob Knight as well. I yeah, uh, had cool. a patch on, and then the, all the coaching staff wore the sweaters like he did. And I know uh, after the game, uh, McCaslin talked about that honoring coach who was gracious to let him come into practice when he was an up-and-coming coach. And, uh, you know, then he even talked about the commerce coach who's uh, dealing with a, mm, his wife yeah. who had a stroke and uh, just, uh, you know, a classy guy. Guy. So, uh, you know, off to a 1-0 start. And uh, the Lady Raiders also uh, off to a 2-0 start. They won their first game uh, uh, Monday night, and then they uh, won last night over Tarleton State. So uh, they, I believe they play Monday night now. So they're uh, two, off to a 2-0 start. So, you know, as we move into basketball with football ending, uh, you know, we'll, we'll obviously get more in depth on uh, on uh, how things are going with Texas Tech basketball, but, uh, but a good start for both teams right now. What Do you think Let's just say, do you think both teams will make the tournament? I, I have no feel Certainly. for the Lady Raiders. Yeah. But, right. But I mean, just what is there to talk about? Texas A&M Commerce, you know? Right. San Jose State. I mean, we could talk about the roster, but I mean... I think both teams are bubble teams are right there. You know? Right, and we'll get a better gauge when they got the Villanovas and the and the Butlers and it's playing just in a over couple there. Of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, yeah. just a little better. So, and the Rocking Twenty Five College Basketball crew, uh, we're not even doing a, a first poll until the the, the uh, multi team tournaments 
are done uh, in after Thanksgiving. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, should we start doing this? And the the thought is, we don't know who these teams are. It, it's so much harder with teams like, you know, Kansas having Dickinson, who was a force, moving in to now to Kansas, and then you've got all these players moving. You don't know who the teams are. You don't know where, because the transfer portal has allowed these teams to be reshuffled. So you don't know who the teams are until these big tournaments are over. And so the Rockin' 25 crew is, we're just holding back, we're sitting back, and we're watching because West Virginia got beat last night. So Oklahoma State lost oh. the opener to, who was it, Abilene Christian? LSU yeah. lost yeah. last night. James Madison beat Michigan State. So, I mean, yeah. just a lot of surprising uh, upsets early on. You talk about the transfer portal because uh, UT got Max Abrams, that guy from Oral Roberts, stud. So... He'll be a mess in uh, Big 12 play. I mean, Texas will be good again. I mean, they're loaded. So. I want to ask you, Pete, you mentioned Grant McCaslin being a classic guy. I know he I, – I don't I don't know him. He's new. Yeah. I haven't really yeah. had a, a lot of talk with him away from, you know, the normal media stuff. But he was at your lunch church, which you do. Yeah. I've been to – I haven't been in a while. I need to get back. But it, yeah. it's a great thing. Been to several times. And uh, he spoke there recently, right? Yeah, he was fantastic. I mean, it was right before the A&M game, and, and the, the staff, uh, you know, his, his work uh, – what do you call it? his assistant set up the uh, the date and I was kind of shocked I mean it's the week of their first game and he came and I'm like gosh coach thanks for taking time he's like man this is one of the most important things uh, for the week for me and he brought his Bible and got up there and preached and just talked about how uh, you know uh, he, he thought high you know he at one point thought real highly of himself and realized you know he's got to give it to God and uh, you know he's a he's a relationship guy just like Joey McGuire so uh, I, I think he's going to do well and uh, man he uh, he spoke we, we try to get people out by 1250 he spoke past one looked over at me and said I guess we're not doing Q&A and then uh, even at 105 he started Q&A finished like 120 and then stayed till two to visit with everybody that's great so just you know really really good and uh, you know we got our next lunch this coming Wednesday it is with Lieutenant Scott Stevenson of the Texas Rangers not the World Series champs but the law enforcement <laughs> He's the guy who wears the hat and uh, runs out with Joey McGuire. Oh, that's he's, cool. He's guarded Very Tuberville. Cool. He's guarded uh, uh, Wells, uh, Cumby, uh, and uh, I'm missing somebody else in there. Kingsbury? But Kingsbury, of course, yeah. Who's he's a nice a guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, he'll be there 1145 uh, Wednesday. We're at 8517 Urbana. Come on out and join us. And uh, if you want to get on our text list, you can text BLESSING to 599. Nine two five, but it'll be our ninety fifth lunch, and uh, really enjoy doing them. So, when we come back, uh, we will take a look at today's game, look at the offense and defense. Red Raiders taking on number nineteen Kansas in Lawrence in an hour and a half. Uh, we'll talk about that next. It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show live on Rock one hundred one point one. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Yes, College Football Scoreboard. We'll take a look at the Big 12 scores. Of course, kicking it off today, the game I just mentioned, Texas Tech uh, taking on Kansas. Jayhawks favored by four in this one. They will kick at 11 o'clock on FS1. Baylor goes to number 25, Kansas State, at 2 o'clock today. Number 15, Oklahoma State visits Central Florida. The Golden Knights, 4-5. 
five on the year. They will be in Lubbock next week at a time to be determined by the Big 12. Cincinnati and Houston collide 6 o'clock tonight. West Virginia's at number 17, Oklahoma at 6. Number 7, Texas goes to TCU at 6.30 and 5-4 and four, Iowa State at 5-4 and four, BYU. That is a 9.15 Central Time kick on ESPN. That is the Big 12 schedule. Red Raider Offense. Time to look at the Red Raider offense as Texas Tech taking on Kansas today, 11 o'clock, just uh, an hour and a half away. Uh, at least, uh, you know, Baron Morton came in against TCU, uh, fared well. Uh, I would expect him to, to get things going today for Texas Tech. Well, I'm hoping Taj Brooks gets things going, but obviously Baron was a key. The offense was much more efficient. First off, they didn't turn the ball over five times, you know, which helped yeah. like they did against BYU. Um, I like Baron Morton. I like him. I like the more, I know this sounds crazy, but the more reserved Baron Morton. I think a silver lining to him getting hurt, which is terrible. You don't want Baron to be hurt and all that, but he had to play more um, within himself, not so much of a gunslinger for a couple of games, and he was really efficient. So, uh, you look at the game performance against Houston, which was good. The game against Baylor, which was really great. I mean, he played almost a perfect game. I think he had he may have been picked off once, but uh, other than that, I mean, accuracy's been there. Um, and he was good against TCU too. Same thing. So uh, I don't want him to run. I don't stop running him. That <laughs> when they ran him on that uh, later in the game, that that was uh, that was. Uh, I've said a lot of expletives. I, why, 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 can't say on the air. Why run him? Yeah. Don't I mean, get him hurt. Yes, Jay Strong come in. You don't have a chance of winning any of these Big Twelve games, even UCF at home. Right. Uh, you just you don't because he's not ready yet. Uh, but with Baron Moore, you're competitive in almost every game in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and we uh, talked to. Uh uh, Zach Kitley, and here's his thoughts on Baron Morton. Yeah, you know, I thought just looking back at the game, first and foremost, he was very efficient. You know, I thought he was smart with the football uh, for the most part. And, you know, we were able just to open it up a little bit more. We were able to take some deep shots down the field. You know, we hit the, the big one to Dre uh, for the long touchdown there, and we've been trying to get that play called for, for a long time this year, and we're finally able to kind of get it going. So, just again, mainly just having him back at practice, the energy he brings, and, and again, just a guy with more experience back there, and uh, it's been good. So, again, I think He's going to continue to feel better and better and better as we keep going in this thing and uh, see what, how much more we can continue to open up the, the, the game plan. Yeah, so uh, obviously Taj Brooks, hopefully he can, uh, you know, get something going on the yeah. running Kansas game. Kansas has given up 175 yards uh, on the ground per game. That's their biggest weakness on paper. Uh, Taj should have a good day. Yeah, and obvious. Yeah, and Kenny Perry talked about how Taj has helped the younger guys so he can get a breather. Well, I think the biggest thing is you said it right. His role and he's basically showing the younger guys how to play. I mean, honestly, and then you know I use it all the time. I think they're probably getting tired of me saying just do what Taj does, just do what Taj does, just do what Taj does. Uh, but yeah, he's showing them. You know, he's leading. You know, by how he's supposed to play, and and then when those guys go in there, you know, Cam especially. Cam's 
you know, it's, it's just hard because you, you don't want Taj not to get his carries, but, you know, Cam's hitting some runs. He's not really getting stopped. And, you know, it's just uh, Taj is hot. He's been hot all year, and you gotta you got to feed the hot hand. But I think not just Cam, but a lot of our younger guys in general, just watching Taj play, and then we come in on film and watch film, they're kind of seeing what you really have to be like to be a really good college football player. So uh, look for Taj to have a big game today. And, uh, you know, hopefully the Red Raiders can score some points and uh, maybe jump out to an early lead so they can uh, keep that uh, crowd on their toes today. But, you know, if they fall behind and have to rely on the run, it, it could be a long day. Well, one thing, though, to speak to your point is Barron can't be uh, too crazy with the ball. He has right. to be very careful. Yeah. Kansas has four defensive touchdowns on the season. Pair that with their offense, which has been very good. And then that's why they're seven and two. Uh, I think they actually tie for the lead in the country in terms of most offensive touchdowns so far this season. So uh, Melo Dotson's one to watch, Kobe Bryant, a couple of those guys in the secondary are ball hawks. So I think really the game plan for both offenses are the same. You run the ball get defenses on their heels, and then all the play-action, RPO stuff off of that. So we'll see. I think in talking with some people in Kansas, the big thing is going to – this sounds cliche, but who's going to win in the trenches there on both sides of the ball? Who's going to get pushed around or or not? Well, in Texas Tech, uh, you know, they they do have the win this year at uh, Baylor, Mm -hmm. but, uh, man – Win, I mean, Baylor's you, terrible, but right. But you got to win some game. games on the road, and you know they haven't really beat anybody of of super quality. This would be a quality win. Oh yeah, and and you know obviously so. they they could they could have beat Oregon or at least uh, were in the competition. Uh, you know in the in the battle till the fourth. But man, to get a win over a top twenty five team, I think that would do a lot for for not only these guys but just for the program. Also set them up for a great opportunity to get bowl eligible, which. Yeah, I know people get tired of hearing that based on the uh, preseason expectations, but it does make a difference for a number of reasons. Yeah. Fifteen extra practices. Yes, for the for their young roster. Also, just in recruiting, I mean, the negative recruiting that goes on. Like, man, you're thinking about going to Tech? They didn't even go to a bowl. Like, right. you know, you got yeah. you have to answer that yeah. question. You know, yep. and then just all the extra uh, media attention and stuff, even with going to the who who give, gives a dang bowl. You know. Yeah. Hey, uh, as we move now to defense, uh, do you know that, uh, let me get my math right, 84 years ago today was one of the greatest defensive games for Texas Tech football? Hold on. Is this when they punted 87 times or something? (laughs) Yes. November 11th, 1939, uh, Texas Tech played Centenary, and it was a 0-0 game. There were 77 punts in the game. How's that possible? The weather in Shreveport was so bad, nobody could move the ball. So Texas Tech kicked off. Uh, They tried one play. And then just kicked it right back to Tech, who then ran one play and kicked it right back. (laughs) In the third quarter, there were 22 punts in a row. Tech punted. They punted back. They, I mean, is that not crazy? Nobody scored in the game. Uh, 42 punts were returned, but in the end, Centenary had 30 total yards of offense. Tech had negative one. Negative one? Right. But they did try an 18-yard field goal on the last play of the game, and the kick only traveled 12 yards. But 0-0 was the final, and uh, Charlie Calhoun has the individual record for most punts in the game, 36. 
Wow. Wow. So oh, it's crazy. Wow. I like that, those, that nerd nugget. What's crazy is an 18-yard field goal, that's like literally from like the one-yard one line. line. So, yeah. I mean, if I don't know if they did the math the same way back then. I'm sure yeah. I doubt it. But that would be that would be pretty interesting if you found out that they literally could not trust their offense so much to get one I yard. I mean, the goalpost might have been in the end zone right, back then. Right, that's true, to too. Honest, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, and so there were two and a half inches of rain uh, that day on the field, and just nobody could move the ball, so they just punted. They got a, you know, they had the first down. They just punted. That's what ins- fan was there? That's I, I want to know if a fan was there with like you know a raincoat and all that, right? Just watching the punts. That like, is insane. Fan. What do you expect from the twenty twenty three Red Raider defense today? Mm, there, I this is the biggest test since Oregon right. for them. Um, I can't say their offense coordinator's name, but I'm really impressed by with what he what he what he's done so far. Um, I asked Coach McGuire about it on Monday and talked with some people in Kansas about it. Michael Swain, the uh, the guy who does what I do for the for the Kansas two four seven site, mentioned just how multiple uh, they are, they, which means they run a lot of formations. They're almost always running somebody in motion to see what kind of covers the defense is in. They're always doing some kind of misdirection. They're always showing something that's been on tape before and then doing something off of that. You know, so it's always, I think Swain actually said the best is this offense is basically designed to make defenses constantly be second guessing itself and thinking. So I think tech needs to just go out there and do what, what they want to do aggressively and not hesitate, but also somehow play sound principled defense by staying in your running lanes all those things you hear gap schemes that kind of stuff or kansas is going to put up a lot of points on them and coming up later we will have our predictions for this game but when we come back inside the red raider recruiting we'll take a look at some commits and uh just uh the recent Tex- offer yep Sorry, uh, recent all yeah texas tech 2025 class that's coming up next on the red raider outfitter rock and pregame show on rock 101.1 Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Looking at the top ten games today, number eight Alabama, eight and one on the year, goes to Kentucky, who's six and three. That's an eleven o'clock kickoff. Uh, one of the big games today, number three Michigan at number ten Penn State. That's an eleven a.m. kickoff. Uh, another big one today is number one Georgia and number nine or number two Georgia, number nine Ole Miss. That's a six o'clock game on ESPN today. Uh, other top 25 games, you got number five, Washington, hosting number 18, Utah. That's a 2.30 kickoff today. Number four, Florida State, also undefeated, hosting Miami. That's a 2.30 game today. And then you've got uh, number one, Ohio State, taking on three and five, Michigan State. That's a 6.30 game. Number seven, Texas, taking on TCU, 6.30 tonight. That's on ABC. And then number six, Oregon, eight and one on the year, hosting USC. That is a 9.30 kickoff tonight on Fox. That is your top 10 schedule for today. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting with 24-7 Sports, Jared Johnson. Time to take a look at some Red Raider recruiting with inside the Red Raiders, Jarrett Johnson and and Jarrett uh, to talk tell tell us uh, you know about uh, what Red Raiders are doing this week uh, with recruiting. Yeah, well, they picked up a couple commits for their 2025 class. Those are uh, guys that are juniors in high school right now, and 
they have three commits already for that class, which you sh- I mean, this is early for Texas Tech. I mean, compared to previous coaching staffs, um, this is what Joey McGuire and James Blanchard do, though, uh, apparently. And, you know, already they're up to 34th in the country with that 2025 class. That's a great start. And they had Tristan Gentry out of Stephenville committed earlier um, a couple couple months ago. He's a really impressive guy. You watch his film very fast, speed, speed, speed. Everybody wants that receiver to take the top off the defense. Well, here's your guy. Um, And then here just – a little over a week ago, they picked up an, uh, another wide receiver commit, Isaiah Anderson, out of Wichita Falls City View. 6-1, really fast. I was told they, Texas Tech really likes some outside receiver as well. So there's your two outside receivers. Um, they might get a couple more looking to fill the coffers there at, at, at that position. But then uh, then they picked up their quarterback commit for the, for the class, and which is always huge because – a lot of other recruits look to see who's going to be the quarterback in this class. Who am I going to be, you know, who's going to be leading yeah. the team when I'm there? And uh, Lloyd Jones is known as a super uh, plus athlete with a great arm. He's out of Hitchcock, almost 6'3", 210 pounds, so he's pretty big just as a junior. Um, good arm. Uh, has basically checks all the boxes except he plays at a smaller school. Hitchcock is a smaller school. I personally am not bothered by that. Baron Morton played at a small school. Yeah. He's He's been pretty good. A lot of guys have uh, have come from smaller schools, especially in a, in a state like Texas. Like Texas, Florida, California, if it's a smaller school, it doesn't scare me off. Um, and so, I, you know, that's a really great start uh, to get those three. They really need to add receivers. Obviously, you need a quarterback. And uh, I'm, I'm, I think 2025 is just going to – they're just going to build on what they've, what they've done so far with 2023 and the 2024 classes. Depending upon what happens these last three games, how can that hurt recruiting if this yeah. team, you know, has a losing record? I don't think it will hurt with the 2024 class. I think they're pretty tight. I mean, you might get one or two guys decommit, but you do anyways, <laughs> even if they had had the season we, we thought. I think it's with the 2025 class. I think it'll either help or hurt themselves this off season in terms of this summer when they have a lot of the official visitors, which we'll talk about again and all that, which I call commit season now. And that's when it, I think it would make the biggest impact. Yeah. And you said, uh, they, uh, were, you know, here they are in Kansas. They were, they were talking to somebody out there. Yeah. This guy's really interesting. Uh, Jaden Woods, he's right by, uh, Lawrence, um, where he goes to school and, so his dad, first off, this guy has offers from Alabama, LSU, Kansas, and Kansas State are recruiting him hard. Yeah. I talked to a couple people about that. Uh, Jaden, 6'3", 230, edge rusher, has really come into his own. His dad was a scat back at Kansas State, but he's not necessarily like a Kansas State lean. He thought he was going to be like that kind of – it's kind of like a basketball analogy where a guy huh. is small his whole life and learns to play like a little guard against bigger guys, and then all of a sudden he he really grows, has this huge growth spurt, and he's got this like smaller player ability, but in a bigger body. Same thing with him in football. He was like a running back, receiver, very elusive, very quick, uh, but all of a sudden grew into an edge rusher body type. Had a great uh, first season as an edge rusher. His coach just said, hey, we – we think it'd help you if you wrestled. You, you could help with the wrestle team. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. He goes and he wins the heavyweight division, the state championship, his Jeez. first year as a wrestler, which, I mean, they take their wrestling seriously right. in the Midwest. 
And so the same thing with Chuck. Like, hey, why don't you try the shot put? Uh, and, and he he does. He qualifies for state. And they're like, hey, while you're at, do the discus too. And I think he actually placed. He medaled in the state in Kansas his first year. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of schools after him. I, I was told that Coach Ayu was going to go to the game. I don't know if he actually went to the game last night while they were there. McGuire may have even gone too. Uh, I, I don't have confirmation on that because yeah. it's early. I haven't t- talked to anybody yeah. this morning. You know? uh, but uh, that was somebody they wanted to see. They're always looking to uh, get the most out of their time. They're in Can- Lawrence, Kansas. I don't know how many other things there was to do other than get ready for the game. Go see a, a high-level recruit. Uh, I think if I think the, from what I've been told by people who know Jaden a lot better than I do at this point, Tech would have a good good chance of getting him on campus. I think you get him on campus, maybe you have a shot. I mean, yeah. you know, people say you're not going to be Alabama, LSU, or maybe even like an in-state Kansas or Kansas State out for a guy like that. Well, McGuire, Blanchard, all these guys have continued to just blow those kind of expectations out of the water. Yeah, and last question, just uh, next week, last home game, what are we looking at for recruits coming in? I mean, it'll be another, you know, you have a lot of the commits. I mean, I think Michael Hudson, yeah. uh, five-star receiver commit, will be in town. Uh, I'm actually have an interview scheduled with Will Hammond, the four-star quarterback for Hutto. Uh, he hit me up yesterday, wanted to do an interview this weekend, so I'll, I'll have something with that. I'm expecting him in town as well. In terms of uh, 2025 guys, I don't know. It just depends on what happens with their playoffs right. situations and everything, as you, as you well yeah. know, Pete. Yep, absolutely. Well, very good. And uh, inside the Red Raiders, uh, tell people how they can join in if they haven't already. Yeah, you can just Google inside the Red Raiders. It'll take you right to it. Yeah, you, you, There's several options to join, but you can, if, you know, if you're kind of unsure, you can choose the $1 option route for your first month and check it out and go see what all we have. It gives you access, by the way, to all the boards across the network on the, on the 24-7 Sports Network. And then after your promotional period is over, I just want to point out, you get Paramount Plus for free, which is a pretty cool perk. Absolutely. Very good. Hey, when we come back, we're going to do some rocking and rolling and some uh, rocking predictions. That's next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Show, live on Rock 101.1. Time to know and I know Troy rock and roll is the cornerstone of the show, especially after eight years. <clears throat> you were saying even I know that if you rock, it's the number Sean sets it at or higher. But if you roll, it's lower. It's time to rock or roll. Let's get into it. Oh, hold on. I've been I've been notified, handed a note here that I need to um, to uh, update the standings here. Jared is is a 11 game lead, Ooh, 36 and 34. I think when, you owe me a keg for that. <laughs> Pete I'm is, glad we didn't have that stipulation. <laughs> 24 and 45. That is he, he, he has more losses than you have wins. I mean, that's, that's bad. Let's get the segment going. Uh, Baron Morton pass yards, 162 and a half. Rock or roll, Pete? Um, I'm going to rock. 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 Okay. Taj Brooks rushing yards, 123 and a half. Rock. 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 Wide receiver only touchdowns for the Red Raiders, one and a half. Not tight ends? Not wide receiver only. Well, you get tricky. Come on, man. Uh, I'm rolling. Uh, I'll rock. I'm going to rock as well. Okay. Turnover. Right there. Sorry, go ahead. Turnover ratio. <laughs> Texas Tech plus 
I'm rolling. Rolling. You don't think they're going to take three or at least take two? Yeah, but they might give they two. Might give two. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to rock. Okay, in turn rock. So that means it's closer, right? That means Tech is within one turnover? No. No. That means they... Tech wins basically the Basically, they got to be plus two. Oh. I'm, I'll rock. Texas Tech punt average, 47.7. I'm going to rock. McNamara really being it, hitting it. I don't know what the weather's like. Uh, <laughs> that's, his, that's his average for the year. Awesome. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll rock. I don't know. I'll that's, rock. That's fine. Let's go with the Kansas side. Kansas team rushing yards. So so quarterbacks with sacks, running backs, 198.1. Pete. I'm going to roll. Rock. Rock. Okay. Arnold and Skinner catches at five and a half. Intern. Rock. I'll, I'll, I'll rock. Yeah, I'm going to rock too. Seth Keller field goal long, 40 and a half. I'm going to roll. Some of these special teams stats, man. I'm going to roll too. He might only hit a 38 yarder. Uh, I need this game to 50 to 48. I'm going to rock. Okay. How about uh, Kenny Logan Jr. solo tackles at 4.1? Rock. Rock. Yeah, rock. And Kansas third down conversion percentage at 49%. Rock. I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll. I feel like that number's high. Yeah. Okay. That is rock or roll. The Alpha Cup is up for grabs again this year with Sean in the lead, 4-3 over Pete. Jeff and Jared are trying for their first win ever. Time for the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Predictions. Let's go with the standings. First win ever. Let's go for the standings. In last place, 10 games back is Pete Christie, 59-41. and 41. Jeff is 63-37. and 37. Jared is 64-36. and 36. Five games back of The Rock, which is myself, at 69-31. and 31. Jared, please win. <laughs> For the first time ever. <laughs> Please win, Jared. I'd like to sweep both of these. Rock and roll. I would like Rock and roll. You've got that pretty much locked in. Yeah. So let's go for predictions. Baylor at number 25, Kansas State. Both myself and Jeff have Kansas State. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kansas State. Kansas State. Number 15, Oklahoma State at UCF. Both Jeff and I have OSU. Oklahoma State. Yeah. Oklahoma State. West Virginia at number 17, Oklahoma. It's a little more interesting. I'm going to go Oklahoma. I've got Oklahoma, and Jeff does too. I'm going to go Oklahoma. West Virginia. Ooh, Jared trying to make a move. Cincinnati at Houston. I'm going to take Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Wait, no. No, no. I'm going to take Houston. 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 Uh, Jeff has Houston. Houston as well. These are two not very good teams. Okay, number seven, Texas, at TCU, but TCU is getting 14 points. Why are you only doing the spread for that game? Because I was asked to, to throw one non-blowout. Uh, I'm still taking Texas. Jeff and I have uh, TCU. I'm taking TCU. I think Quinnier is going to be rusty. Okay. Plus 14. Texas. Okay, and finally, Iowa State at BYU. Both Jeff and I have Iowa, Iowa State. State. Iowa State. That's the one you should have done the spread for. I'm going to take BYU. You are? 
Yeah, because well, because I'm t- and also oh, I'm ten games back. I got no choice. I got to get it. Do what I can. Okay, and that is rocket predictions. When we come back, we'll give our final word on today's game. It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Live from Rock 101.1. Time for the final word. Getting ready to wrap up the Rock and Pregame show for this week. We'll end it with our predictions for this game, which is now one hour away on FS1 Texas Tech at Kansas. Uh, let's start with you, Sean. <laughs> oh, start with me. Uh, Joy McGuire, Red Raiders are 10 and 2 when leading at half. If they lead at half, they will win 35 33. If they don't lead at half, they're 2 and 8. They're 2 and 7 on the road. It's just, it's too much. They've got to score early, score often, and just get the stops where they need it. 35-33 Tech. So are you giving two scores? No, I'm saying... Depends on the halftime? I I just... I'm hoping... That's the the key to the game. 35-33 Tech. Soldier Boy? I'm going to go 34-31 Tech. Okay. Tech is 10-0 under McGuire when they score 35 points or more. I don't think they get there today. 38-27 Kansas. Wow. Okay. I, uh... Let's go. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tech today. I, I still drink the Kool-Aid. I'll go... Uh, How many scoops of sugar? Not too much today, but I'm going to go 31-27 Tech. So you're pulling for the big upset. Well, yeah. I mean, because I, I want... I mean, I, I want the Is next... it a big upset? Ranked team at home? Yeah. Kansas is a four-point favorite at home. That tells you... And Vegas has been wrong about Tech all year, so yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. But Vegas isn't wrong a lot. They're saying that's basically a flip, flip a game on a neutral site. And Kansas is just a four-point favorite. I think it would be such a big win that the 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 crowd of Red Raiders might rush the field if they win. I hope so. That'd be awesome. (laughs) I don't think they've done it once. They they need a win. They. I mean, they never rush the opposing team. (laughs) (laughs) A hundred people like that would be awesome. That would be epic. Just because that's different. You know, that would be easy for security. And next week, we still don't know the time of uh, when Texas Tech will host Central Florida. That could come out tonight, tonight tomorrow yeah. morning, but uh, we'll vary the, the start time for the Rock and Pregame show next week and be over at Red Raider Outfitter right across from the Jones for the uh, senior day, senior night game with uh, Central Florida. Three hours so, before game time. There you go. So appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next week. You've been listening to the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show live on Rock 101.1. This has been a presentation of Rock 101.1 Sports and Alpha Media USA.